The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... You're supposed to be dead, son. That's what the, the man, the doctor said. You're supposed to be... I'm surprised you're alive. It's a miracle. And, you know, I was like, thank you, sir. You know, I'm just trying to figure it out. You know, my wife lost her job and we're trying to get insulin. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulin Podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. What is happening? Welcome back to the Insulone Podcast. I'm absolutely delighted you're here to join me again. And I have an incredible guest for you today, Mr. Jermaine Hargrove. He is from Glenville, Georgia in the USA. And Jermaine was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 32. And... What's so amazing about his diagnosis is the fact that he had the highest blood sugar reading I personally have ever heard of. When he was initially diagnosed, Jermaine's blood sugar was 1100 milligram per deciliter. Now, to put that into perspective for people who don't use MGDL, that's 61 millimoles per liter, which is absolutely insane. When Jermaine was diagnosed, he was in ICU for five days and the doctors in there didn't even think he was going to live. Jermaine is the CEO and founder of Small Town Animation Studios and the Animation TV Network. He's also the creator of Gumshi, the Type 1 Protector, which is a 3D animated health and wellness movie about an African-American Type 1 diabetic superhero. And may I add, the first ever Type 1 diabetic superhero. The movie's aim is to entertain, educate, and empower those of us around the world living or affected by type 1 diabetes. Jermaine's story, his passion, his mission, and his perspective on diabetes is infectious, and you can really hear how much his work means to him throughout this episode. So enjoy my chat with Jermaine. First of all, thanks so much for coming on. As I said to you before I pressed record. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to hearing about your story. I'm really looking forward to hearing about the animation studio and the movie Gumshi itself. Yes. Because as I've just said to you, I have a bit of a background within animation. So yes. thank you for coming on, Jermaine. Thank you. I appreciate you inviting me on. And 
You know, I know it was, we had some trials and tribulations of finally getting here, but we're here. So I thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, it's uh, it's one that I've really been looking forward to personally. And I know thank the you. movie itself is going to be a great asset to, to diabetics. Yes. But look, Jermaine, before basically we get into the movie itself, yes. I'd love to hear a bit more about your own story personally in terms of your diagnosis, because from what I know, yes. you were diagnosed with type one at the age of 32 exactly. and your blood sugars were 1100. 1100, yep. How did that come about? Yeah, so when I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed at 32, uh, sugar levels, uh, glucose levels at 1100. Um, but when I was diagnosed, you know, my uh, doctor that diagnosed me, I was diagnosed in the ICU uh, unit. I was in ICU for five days, almost died. Um, you know, the first thing the doctor said, he said, you must have been a diabetic as a juvenile. Uh, you don't get these kind of numbers and, you know, the way everything's going with you now, you don't get these kind of numbers without being a diabetic as a juvenile or even uh, born a diabetic. So I said, um, you know, I just explained to him, I said, you know, I used to go to the doctor a lot because I have asthma as well. So I used to go to the doctor a lot for asthma. And I said, my asthma was so bad as a child, you know, that's really what they was just focused on. They, you know, I got to go back to the Got back to the doctor, back to the hospital. I can't breathe. So they wasn't even focused on diabetes, glucose levels, anything like that. They were just making sure that I could breathe, you know, back then. Um, so, yeah, you know, so I suppose I was a diabetic at that age. But from what my mom was telling me, they wasn't really checking glucose like that, especially in the community, in the African-American community. And that's a whole nother topic that we can get into as well about health equity. But, you know, we wasn't getting those kind of exams. It was just, okay, you got an issue? What, what's the issue? You know, you're going for your monthly, uh, well, your yearly rather. Uh, what's the, you know, have been having any problems? It's just question after question. But they never said anything about blood, glucose, diabetes. Does it run in your family? One thing they did ask about was cancer. And, you know, we got those questions regularly, I guess, because, you know, that they looked at that like, OK, if it runs in your family, but they, I never really got the diagnosis, the, the, the diabetes talk rather from the doctor. So, yeah, you know, I was diagnosed at 30 something, but I had it, you know, for years, probably as a, a child, maybe five or was born with it or, you know, so but I just wasn't diagnosed at that time. Yeah, and even looking at your numbers, which were eleven hundred milligrams per deciliter, yep. and to put that into perspective for for anyone who uses millimoles per liter, eleven hundred would equate to about sixty one millimoles per liter. And I'll be honest with you, Jermaine, that's the highest blood sugar reading I've ever heard about. Yes, that's you. You're right because so I didn't know at the time. I didn't know. I didn't know about diabetes. Um. When they told me that, I was just like, okay, you know, but it was such a, you know, I just remember, I don't know if you, like, have you ever seen a movie when it's just like so much going on in the ER room and doctors and stuff, everybody all over the place? That's how it was when I was in ICU. <laughs> yeah. And when they said that number, it was just like an uproar, like, what? I can't, wow, really? You know, I'm just thinking it's like regular because I'm feeling like I'm about to die, but those mm -hmm. numbers after I got out of it, 
you know, thank God five days later and I start telling people what happened to me and they was all looking at me like I was a ghost, you know, like, wow, how are you still alive? Like 1100. And then the more and more as I go along with life and learning about diabetes, now I see why, because some people, you know, when their glucose levels get to a certain point, not even that high, you know, they got amputees, they vision, they lose their vision and, you know, numbness and, and, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the body, kidney failure, but my levels had got to level hundred. And I was, the only thing that was really wrong with me at that time was uh, my eyesight. I was losing my eyesight. Uh, and also um, the way I was speaking, like when I speak, the inside of my throat was closing up. So, but other than that, like my limbs was perfectly fine. I could, you know, except for the day I was diagnosed, when I got into the ambulance, I couldn't walk. My legs was like rubber bands. I couldn't stand up. I couldn't walk. Mm. I couldn't, you know, they were still functionable, but just me, like I was just so weak. I was, I couldn't even stand up. So yeah, those are very high and dangerous numbers. They though like I want to inspect for somebody to say, Hey, wait for you to get to those numbers to go finally go get yourself checked out. I would never say that, <laughs> no, um, you know, so absolutely not. you don't want to get to that point, you know, but I was to that point. I was 1100. Yeah. And I'm even thinking back to when I was diagnosed. So I was, I was diagnosed near, I'm coming up actually on my 10 year anniversary. Mm-hmm. But when I went in initially, when I was diagnosed for the first time, my blood sugars were about 38 millimoles per liter, which is about 600 wow. milligrams per deciliter. So your bloods were nearly double, double yeah. the height of mine. And when I went in and you perfectly said it, you're kind of like a ghost. Yep. And I remember going in and for the weeks leading up to it, I was I was falling asleep. I had no energy. I was so, so thirsty, just constantly dehydrated. So like for you, Jermaine, what was the period leading up to you going into hospital initially and then spending five days in ICU? Yeah, I was going to definitely say I would like to get into that. Um, So the readers, I mean, excuse me, so the people that's listening, if you have those kind of symptoms, you need to pay very close attention. So what happened was it was around the holiday time. And, um, you know, I was just on people in my household was on a health kick. <laughs> you know, we had got a blender, <laughs> a juicer, rather. Yeah, got a juicer. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, we were just like all happy, like, yeah, you know, we're going to, you know, start juicing up, start, you know, uh, exercising and everything. And, you know, we just was like happy about getting the juicer. So, you know, we got the juicer and everybody in my house and we juicing up stuff. I'm like real excited. I'm going places and I'm like, I can't wait to get back home so I can make me an apple, <laughs> a pineapple, or, you know, just juicing up stuff. I was like real excited about it. So, you know, everybody in my house caught the flu. So it was like bad flu season at that time. Everybody in my house caught the flu, my wife, my children. And, um, you know, it wasn't bad, you know. But it was bad for me. So everybody got well. Everybody was getting well. And I was still like, I still feel the same. Then everybody got well, except for me. And I'm like, wow, I'm still, you know, I don't feel right. Uh, you know, I didn't, and mind you, I'm not even thinking about diabetes. I'm not thinking of that at all. I'm just thinking it's a flu stitch because, you know, for those listening, you know, those could be symptoms, like flu symptoms. You might think you got the flu, but it could be very well be diabetes. 
So I'm thinking, mm. wow, I got the, I still got the flu. I'm going to go to the doctor the following week. I think it was on a weekend or something. I'm like, I'll just make an appointment and see when I could go in. So mind you, you know, with the juicer, uh, you know, I'm just still got the flu. I'm like, okay, why don't, let me just drink some more juice. <laughs> so I'm like, maybe the juice, maybe if I just drink some juice, some fresh juice or something, I'll get better as I go along. But that was really adding fuel to the fire. That was just like adding salt to a wound, you know? So my, my glucose levels, who knows what they were at that time. Um, so I'm still juicing, yeah. sick, got the flu, thinking it's the flu. I'm still juicing. So I'm adding more to my sugar levels and I'm just juicing. And, and um, you know, the very next day, you know, like I said, everybody in my house was well. My wife was well, and I was still in the bed. I couldn't get out the bed. And she came in the room because I, I had slept in a separate room because I still didn't want to give people whatever it was, the flu, whatever, when they was getting better. So I slept, I slept in a separate room. So when she came in the room, she turned the light on. My face was facing the door. When she turned the light on, she said, oh, my God. And I said, what? You know, I said it real soft. Like, I said, what? She said, your face, your face is looking sunk in, your throat looking sunk in. I'm about to call the ambulance. I said, okay, mm -hmm. let me get up and get dressed. And that's when I realized I couldn't walk. I tried to get up. Like I said, I was still functionable. I thought I could. It wasn't like, you know, be like feeling up being paralyzed or nothing. I was like, okay, I just don't feel good, but I know I could get up and get dressed. Soon as I tried to get up, I immediately fell to the ground. Like my legs was like rubber bands. I couldn't walk. So, you know, so my wife, she, she called the ambulance. She said they on their way. And, um, you know, she helped me get dressed. And then I, at that moment, I guess it was like really the jig was up. Like I really felt like something is wrong. I feel like I'm dying. So, you know, mm -hmm. she called the ambulance. The ambulance came and they didn't know what was going on. They just asked you a bunch of questions. I'm like, no, yes, no, yes. You know, I'm still functionable, but I really can't see. My vision is kind of losing i'm losing my vision and i could see but it's still kind of blurry and i'm like what's going on i can't barely see so he's like yeah you know they putting ivs in me let's you know maybe you dehydrated or you know let's then when i'm in the ambulance i could just hear him talking and they say well let's check his glucose i didn't know what that meant but i just remember him saying that one of the guys saying that so they tried to mm -hmm. check the glucose try to check it try to check it and he couldn't get a reading. I didn't know what that meant then. I know now. But the, the levels, the glucose levels were so high, you couldn't get, read it on a regular meter. So, Whoa. excuse me. So, you know, we finally get to the ICU. Ambulance takes me to the ICU unit. And it was just chaos. It was like, oh, my readings, my levels, not just my glucose levels, but my levels. My body was shutting down at the time. So it was just like a lot of chaos. Let's hook them up to this. They had me hooked up to like four IVs. Four, it was like four IVs and two insulin drips. Like I said, I didn't know what that meant then, but I know now. It was two insulin drips and like four IVs. I guess because my body, I, I didn't really, I was have no liquids or what something was going on. And um, yeah, and at that point, one of the doctors said, "We finally got a reading. His levels is at is eleven hundred, and it was like an uproar. And they, I was just like, wow." I didn't know what was going on, but I was kind of like wowing because the way they was acting, I didn't know why they was acting that way. I was like, man, maybe I'm going to die. Maybe I'm dying. That's why they acting like that. And I just didn't know. And I just kept going in and out of conscience, in and out of conscience. 
And then, you know, eventually the IVs was working and insulin drips was working, but slowly. Just imagine that 1100, you know, it was going down, but it was going down slowly, like 1050, 1025, uh, 980, and they, it wasn't going down fast enough. So, you know, it didn't go down into levels that they was kind of comfortable with until the second day. The second day, it start going into the 350s, wow. and, and, you know, that's being hooked up to to insulin drips overnight, 24 hours overnight, and they was giving me insulin uh, manually, too. And even when you're saying that it had brought you down to 350, 350 is still high. Yes, and that's and I and say that to so, say, you're right. I say that to say, even then, it was still dangerous because if I go from 1,100 and then still to 350, they still looking at it like, wow, that's, you know, we still have to get it down more. See, I didn't know all of the information I know now, but I, now I know why. They was like really, they was like really determined to get it down. And it, and it got down the second day at night, at night, not even during the day, at night, that second night I was there, mm-hmm. then it got down to one something, two something. And, you know, and I still stayed three days after that because they were just like, still looking at me like I'm a miracle child. I'm a miracle person. You know, like we want to <laughs> yeah. keep him three extra days because we don't know how is he still alive at the glucose levels at 1100 and what happened while his levels was at that. It was checking my kidneys and my organs and everything. So that's what made it a five day stay. So based off kind of how everybody was reacting in the ambulance or the, or, and the emergency room, are you pretty confident, Jermaine, that that was even the highest glucose reading they have seen in the hospital? Well, I can't say that because sometimes hospitals, they see a lot, but they still react, you know, because even at that time, yeah. it may be a break in between seeing something like that. It could have been two years later, like, oh, now we're seeing something traumatic again, you know, so I don't know. Yeah. But from what I was told, once I came conscious and I was kind of like, uh, aware of everything, they they was like, yeah, you know, God spared your life. And when the doctors say that, when the doctors when the doctors uh, and the hospitals start using religious and, and godly terms, then you know, well, it was out of our hands. We didn't know what to do. And the doctor told me we didn't know, you know, how we was gonna get it down. You know, we didn't know, you know. So over over a period of two day two days, that's how it got down. Um, but yeah, that's one of the doctors told me, he said, yeah, you're, you're definitely a miracle. Sounds like a very stressful and very intense experience being in ICU like that for, for five days. So what was next for you, Jermaine? What then you, you got your insulin pens or whatever it was and on your way? No. So right, um, right after I got out and I actually wanted to stay, (laughs) I wanted to stay because I was like, you know, and I, I equate this to people be like people that's locked up in jail for a long time. They be like, I'm, I don't want to go back into society. I'm afraid. So at that point, it just so much had happened. I was in there for five days and I was just like unsure of life at that point. Like not, not far as not wanting to live, but I just didn't know anything about diabetes. And they were just telling me so much, but so little. So they was telling me so much far as they just kept using diabetes, diabetes, lifestyle change, food and this and that. But I didn't know what they was talking about. That's what I mean by so little. They didn't really give me a breakdown of what was to come. So they just basically 
told me the fifth day, hey, you're going, we, you know, we're going, we can let you go home now. I say, are you sure? I say, I at least want to stay one more day. I remember telling the nurse that because I wanted to try to, <laughs> I wanted to use that day to ask questions, to try to figure, because I didn't know how to give myself a shot. And, you know, I brought that up and she was like, well, we'll teach you how to do that. Give yourself a shot. So she was like, you know, you know, before we even do that, you know, you're going to have to take insulin for the rest of your life. I said, no, I ain't. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know no better, <laughs> but I just knew yeah. when somebody say forever in the rest of your life, I said, that can't be good. I said, no, I ain't. Um, so she laughed and, you know, she said, yes, well, fortunately, you know, you will. And she started telling me about the pancreas and different stuff like that. So she sent me home, um, you know, me and my wife, my children, it's just like, it was just like a whole lifestyle change. Everybody in my house became not 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 literally a diabetic, but eating how I eat. You know, the first day we went grocery shopping, we stayed in the store at least three hours because, like I said, we didn't know no better. I didn't know. I'm looking at labels. They're telling you, you got to read labels. I didn't really understand what was going on for us, you know, how to read labels and servings and sugars and stuff. So we was trying to figure it out, but, um, it took me a while. You know, I wasn't even giving myself shots. My wife was giving me all my shots and I, you know, I started off with four shots, two, two in the morning and two at night before I go to bed. And she was giving me, and I was just someone that always hated needles. Cause you imagine, all of those shots, it, you know, I was even, I was literally in shock. Like how in the world I go from living everyday life to now I'm just like, wow, giving myself a shot, a needle, you know, insulin. And I'm just like, wow, my, my life is over. And I say that to say, cause I know listeners is going to be like, wow, I felt the same way because you feel like that. You're like, you don't, you can't, you don't really got it figured out. You just like, how in the world am I going to do this every day? It's not even like take your pill two times a week. No, you have to take shots every day <laughs> yeah. and you got to take four every day. So I was literally like, my life is over as I know it. Not over as far as dead, but over as far as I know it. Like I ain't going to be able to do nothing, but that's a myth. You know, that's, 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 I, I definitely want to deeply encourage people when they tell other people, tell other diabetics that, your life is over. No, it's not. You know, I mean, I could truly say mm. it's really not. But when you figure it out, that's what you think. What can be difficult when you're diagnosed with type one, and we both obviously know it from our own experience, yes. is that there's no kind of break in period. There's no trial period. It's just one day I don't have to take insulin. I don't have to check my blood sugar. I don't have to essentially look after the food I eat. Yep. And then the next day, boom, diagnosed. I have to take insulin every time I eat. I have to monitor my blood sugar 24 hours a day. Yep. And it's just almost like what I always say, that flick of a switch because yep. you're thrown straight in. Yep. And I didn't even do that right away. I didn't even do the, the monitoring thing right away. I had to get that down packed. I didn't understand it. I thought, okay, hey, maybe I, I check it now. Just, just sporadically like, Okay, let me just check my my glucose. Just not even on a time schedule. Just like I could have ate whatever, excuse me, during that day, and I just decide to check it. And then I like okay, let me check it before I go to bed. But you know, I was still figuring it out. And um, 
you know, I didn't, I didn't have pens. I didn't have no CGM. Like I wasn't even told about those things. That was just like needle, insulin needle, uh, you know, uh, glucose monitor and, you know, uh, do your best, <laughs> you know, good luck. <laughs> yeah. and that, that really, it sounds funny, yeah. but that literally what it was, it wasn't really no thorough breakdown on what was to come. That's why, you know, yeah. doing things, these kind of conversations are very important, very important. I wish I could have heard somebody talking like how I'm talking now when I was diagnosed. So I could have at least felt better. Like it was at least it could have gave me hope. Like, OK, this is what I'm going to do or this is how I should do it. Like no one gave me any information. Yeah, I know. And, and it was the same as me. And I think. I was diagnosed in, well, I don't think I know I was diagnosed <laughs> back in 2012 and it was kind of before like podcasts had got popular. It was before Instagram really had got popular. And because of that, there wasn't any real kind of go-to resources to kind of conveniently educate yourself, you know, and what's so good about today is if somebody's diagnosed tomorrow, there's podcasts, there's Instagram, there's websites, there's all these different things that we can look at so easily. Yep. And even from your own experience, Jermaine, when you when you kind of said that you were given that like baseline amount of knowledge, it was kind of like, here's your insulin, good luck, yep. off on your way. Yep. What sort of resources did you turn to or how did you educate yourself over the years? <clears throat> Great question, because that leads into... What happened next? So at that point, my wife lost her job. So there goes the insulin. <laughs> there goes the insurance. And we didn't know anything mm -hmm. about that. And we tried to say, hey, we'll just go and try to purchase something at the pharmacy. Uh, you know, and they told us, hey, I think it was back then. I don't know what it is now. I know it's still high, but I think it was like uh, it was like a thousand dollars. And we was like, What? You know, and when you say sorry to cut you off, Jermaine, yeah, when but when you say a thousand dollars, what is that a thousand dollars paying for? Just so, yes, anyone listening can know, yes, it was, I think it was like a prescription, it was a prescription of insulin, I think it was maybe uh, maybe a month supply, I think it was like a month, yeah, it was like a thousand dollars, it was close. If it wasn't a thousand, I rounded it off, I think it was like 980, you know, it was close to a thousand. Mm -hmm. And we just couldn't believe it. We was just, and, and I know I told you a little earlier, I said, well, I felt like my life was over. Just imagine, I'm like, wow, now I'm really going to die. You know, now I'm really going to be like, it's going to be a slow death because I can't afford the insulin. And we was just like, wow, what are we going to do? So, you know, I remember at the hospital, not the nurse, but it was a care, it was a care worker and a nurse uh, after the nurse left, the care the caretaker, you know, she was telling us about, um, I think she was saying about different programs. It wasn't a lot of programs, but it was just like in whatever area. We wasn't in that area. So she was just like, well, you know, my church. She was like, well, my church has a, uh, I think it's like an assistance program where they, a uh, doctor comes in there and volunteers and write prescriptions and we give out product and stuff. And she was like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, try to contact them. Sometimes they have insulin and sometimes they don't. So it just so happened the nurse, I mean, the, the church was not too far from the house where we lived. It was just like maybe a five minute drive. And um, we went to the church and um, we had to fill out information. And it was like, yeah, you know, just come on this day 
you know, let the doctor see you and, you know, whatever products you need. If we got them, you know, you can get them for free and insulin and all. So, you know, I, we, I go there and, and um, you know, they see me, the doctor, and, and, and just like you, I told him my story. That must have touched his heart. I told him my story, and this is a church, so they like, wow, you supposed to be dead, son. That's what the, the man, the doctor said. You supposed to be, I'm surprised you're alive. It's a miracle. And, you know, I was like, thank you, sir. You know, I'm just trying to figure it out. You know, my wife lost her job, and we're trying to get insulin. Trying to figure this whole insulin thing out. He was like, yeah, let me go over here. Yeah, I could give you some insulin. He was like, well, you know, it's about to expire, but, you know, even with the expiration date, it's been kept in the refrigerator, so it's it's fine. You know, you can have as many as you like. You know, I said, wow, just thanking him. I'm like, wow, thank you. And I, me, myself, you know, I'm not the type that I try to use somebody or try to take advantage. I, me, myself, I grabbed one box, and um, it was like a box of four vials or something like that, and I just grabbed it, and he was like, oh, no. No, Jermaine, take here, take, take, take more. So I let him give me more. He gave me like maybe like four or five months supply. He gave me so much insulin. I was just like so grateful. Um, but yeah, that's what happened after immediately after that. Like, you know, and I, we was trying to figure out the insurance before the insulin that he gave me expi- expired or was over. But he was like, no, when that's when it gets lower, you could come back and get some more. So, you know, that was just like a gateway to trying to figure the whole insurance thing. I was like a year. I was going to that same church for a year uh, as a doctor. Like those were, that was my doctor, you know, and it was a, it was a legal doctor. He just volunteered to the church. So that really helped us out on trying to figure out the insurance side. And my wife started working again and we got insurance. And um, yeah, that's what happened after that. You know, we, we got the insurance figured out and the insurance started to pay for the insulin, but it wasn't easy at first. You know, well, I was rationing it. I was rationing out the insulin like I'm supposed to take four shots. I was taking three and and not really eating so my glucose levels won't get hot. Like it was just a mess. Yeah, and it's it's so unfortunate. And I, I even hate hearing about these sort of things because like where I'm living in Ireland and we have a lot of different listeners from different places around the world, obviously, and other people will be having to deal with insurance, other people it's funded by the government or whatever it is. And in Ireland, there's something called the long-term illness scheme. Mm -hmm. And basically, because we have type 1 diabetes for life, our insulin and our supplies are funded for us, which is amazing, obviously. But I think because of that, it's easy for people to take for granted how convenient and how lucky we are to, to get insulin funded for us. So... Even just off that, Jermaine, can you give us an example of how how much your supply of insulin per month would cost without insurance yes. compared to with insurance? So with insurance, like I just got insulin just the other day, I guess because it's the end of the year too, it was uh, $18. And that was for a whole prescription of that's per month, $18 per month with my insurance. Um, without the insurance, um, it will probably be anywhere between now they, they passed so many laws. They kind of just, they kind of just, uh, lowered the cost. It's not a thousand, but it's still seven, 800, about seven, 800 per month. I will be paying if I didn't have insurance, but 
like I explained, I'm, it's close to the end of the year. So my deductible is all caught up. So that's why it's, it's 18. But with the insurance, it's 35 a month. You know, so they start back 35 in January, all the way up until next November, December. Then they go down to 15. But it's 35 a month with insurance. Yeah, and we only recently had a guest on Jermaine, who she herself is type one diabetic, and her brother had type one diabetes too. And wow. basically, she told us a story of how they they both kind of tried to keep things lighthearted about they would compare how much per month they were paying for insulin and these kind of things. Yes. And basically it got to a stage where Nick, Katie's brother, didn't have insurance and he was rationing his insulin and basically he went into DKA and he ended up dying. Wow. See, those, and, those are the kind of stories I hate hearing, but then I want to hear one because that's what we're going to get into gumption, but that's what... Um, you know, mm. my whole being now is diabetes. I want to help people. I want to, you know, I want those the forgotten abouts. You know, I want to help those kind of people. Um, I'm starting, but we'll get into that. Yeah, but I like I like to hear about those stories. But it's unfortunate. I don't. I hate hearing death, but I want to know what's going on because I try to explain to people. We don't hear those kind of stories on the news. We don't hear, mm. I, I watch the news every day. I don't hear about, hey, this person died from rationing out insulin. Uh, they need the help, but this and that. I don't hear that. So when people tell me, I'm like, this is the kind of stories I, I try to explain to people. This is what's going on in, in households we don't even know about. But we know these kind of stories exist about insulin, rationing, and, um, you know, death happening after of it, because of it. Yeah, it's frightening to hear. And even the story that Katie was telling me, it, it really hits home because it, it reinforces how serious of a condition type one is. Yes. And it, it reinforces how important it is for us, obviously, to have insulin. And it's, it's just unbelievable and incredible to me that governments can't fund it for people that need it. You mm. know, it's a yes, it's not a not a good situation to be in. Yes. And before we get to the next question, I just want to say what happened after that. Um, you know, after I started figuring everything out as far as my body, as far as, you know, the, the insulin intake and, and eating right. And then I started to get, you know, my levels started to be like so good. My my glucose levels, my A1C and, you know, to the point that when I went to another doctor, the doctor said, are you sure you type one? Because your levels are showing that you're type two and I want to stop giving you shots. So I said, well, that's what I was diagnosed at type one. Um, but you, he's like, I want to test you again, make sure because your levels are so good for the, for the way you started with 1100 glucose levels. I want to make sure that you're not type two because your levels are showing different. So I was doing so good with the eating checking my glucose, giving myself insulin and just not, you know, uh, and to the point that my, my levels was good. So um, he tested it. He said, well, yeah, the, the test came back as type one, but uh, it's just amazing how, you know, how your levels are now compared to how you was diagnosed. It's just amazing. He said, just continue doing what you're doing. So I said, okay, thank you. I just continue doing what I'm doing. So I had moved. So when I moved, I got another doctor. It was a whole nother doctor in a whole nother area. So even with this doctor, they don't even know one another. So, you know, I took because they got to transfer medical records. 
So he's looking at my medical records like, wow, you should, everything okay? How was your diabetes? How was your limbs? Any numbness? And, you know, he's looking at me like a ghost too, like, wow, you got all your limbs. You diagnosed at 1100 and is anything wrong? Did you go to the eye doctor? I say the eye doctor said, yes, I don't have any glucose, no sugar in the back of my eyes or nothing. Everything's fine. And he was just like, wow, let me test you. He said, you have been tested for type two? Now, he don't even know the other doctor, but he said the same exact thing. I said, well, yeah, they just tested me. My other doctor just tested me. He's like, I want to test you, too. Um, you, do you mind? I said, no, I don't mind. So he tested me. He was like, well, yeah, your levels are saying type 1, but sometimes it, it, you could be misdiagnosed. He's like, I feel that you could stop taking the insulin. I mean, the shots. He said, I feel you could stop taking the shots and you could just take pills. So I said, no, sir, I'm going to just continue taking the shots. I said, but thank you, <laughs> because I didn't want to go into, I didn't want to put my body into no shock. Like, wow, okay, now you go from insulin to pills, and then something happens. I get kidney failure all of a sudden, like, just because the doctor said, or he thought I should start take, stop taking the shots and just start taking pills. So that's just for the for the listeners, like, don't just be so quick to just get a second opinion. Don't be so quick to just say what the doctor say, stop doing this. Stop taking medicine. Stop. Oh, get a second opinion because, you know, I could it could have turned bad for me if I said, well, I'm just going to take pills now. I'll take metformin or whatever it else besides insulin. And who knows what would have happened? It could have took a whole reverse of my body and it could have been bad. I could have died. Who knows? But, yeah, I wanted to definitely explain that you know, about my levels and how they, how I was doing good. And they thought I was type two and not type one. Well, I'm happy to hear that the levels were good, Jermaine. And yes. I uh, definitely wouldn't be stopping taking insulin no. if I was diagnosed no. with type one. And I tell the story so, because uh, I want it, people to know this is what's going on in the doctor's office. You know, you don't be so quick to just jump off of medicine like that. Don't be so quick. Get mm. a second opinion. And, you know, and know your body because I, I was doing good. Why would I try to go to pills? And I'm like, at that point, I already had diabetes down, down pat, the information. I was going to nutrition classes and, and you know, really into it. Like, I'm going to live, you know, and that's important for, for to say, too, for people to listen. I, I, I wanted to live. I said, I ain't dying with diabetes. I'm going to go to nutrition classes. And uh, I was doing good. You know, I'm still doing good now, but I'm just saying at that point, I was doing good. And, um, you know, they tried to put me on pills and I, I just didn't feel right about that. And, and anything could have happened if I would have listened. Yeah, well, it's good to know that you you took such action to better your health so quickly, which is amazing to hear, considering you were rushed in the hospital with 1100 bloods, <clears throat> yes. which is insane in itself. Yes. That was part one of my chat with Jermaine Hargrove. As you know, if you are listening to this episode on the day of the release, part two will be out tomorrow. But if you're listening on any other day, part two is going to be the next episode in our list. So enjoy part two. Thanks for listening to part one.